1: you were listening to the Wes and Walker Show. He's off to the side. He's drawn, He's like floating to the media. <laughs> uh, did you guys know about this point guard? Did you guys know that we don't need to invest in wide receivers? He's off to the side, not at the podium because he wants
2: to let you know what he found out so badly. It's Wes. Yeah, and I mean, just in retrospect now with the way that this team is looking, the offense is looking, it definitely has not aged well. And Walker. What's up, Fitty? Uh,
3: I was not prepared for the... Uh,
1: He's a point guard (laughs) We don't have to spend money (laughs) Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ But now you do (laughs) Now you do One more hour to go on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ We have a couple of texters wanting to know something Big Cat Dan says, J.D., exclamation points. Panther Bo, J.D. Marlowe? I missed something? Yeah, perhaps you did. For some reason today, I, I don't know why. I think maybe I remember a little bit of the conversation. But Fiddy wants to start just trying J.D. out because your middle name is, I'll let you decide if you want to reveal it. Because sometimes that's a little too personal, but it's fine. If you wanted to reveal it, it the initials are JD and you just decide, to okay, maybe it's time for a change. But I, I really don't know if we can go to JD because you are Fiddy. <laughs> We've created imaging around Fiddy. Like, JD's faves doesn't work as well. JD Flash doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. So I'm
2: sorry. I think we still have to roll yeah, with Yeah, If Fitty. it was a country western station, it would probably go good. Well, JD. Flash with JD.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, my middle name's Dylan. I have no problem disclosing my middle name. I've talked about sleeping with a stuffed UNC mascot and how I wash my body. So my middle name is, you know, n- nothing there. I
1: don't know. I just didn't know if people are now going to find out all your information.
3: Scams is that, there. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm fine. saying. <laughs> and they will be what sort of if they scan me. I was supposed to be named Dylan Joshua. But when I was born, my dad said I didn't look like a Dylan. I look like a Joshua. Whatever that means. And so they it's just. just a little infant. They just, you know, <laughs> inversed it. And uh, I mean, I just think JD is kind of badass.
1: Although, if he would have named you Dylan instead, DJ Marlowe is a pretty cool name.
2: Mm, yeah. That mm-hmm. too. I,
1: I don't know. I mean, look, your dad, we've talked about how cool he is and how cool he looks, but I think he maybe lost some points for switching it up from DJ to JD. JD's cool. It's actually my nephew's initials. And so we call him JD every now and then. Oh, so there's already a one JD in my life. I don't know if there's room enough for two. How, re- how serious are you about really trying to make this stick? Because it seems like Wes is a fan. He laughs every time he says
3: it. I, I mean, look, I, I think there's something there.
1: I mean. Bebop from Rock Thrill says, unisex name for a middle name. That's progressive. See, Dylan is, it's in there. I think it's in the middle of the Venn diagram, but barely. Like, I haven't heard, I haven't seen too many women named Dylan. I know a couple, but not many. And so that's why I was interested to see if you guys have seen or met other women named Dylan before.
3: Yeah,
2: I don't I've think never I have met a woman named Dylan.
1: You haven't, but you have. I don't in. think I
3: have I mean, maybe a Dillion, but not a Dillion. Please, <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> Dillion. Tell me where in the world you met a Dillion. Oh, I haven't met her. All right. Why? I don't even know what that. Okay, you're saying now I'm worried because now it feels like Dillian exists and I don't know want to know how she exists. Oh, she she exists. Oh my God, <laughs> you are such a problem. <laughs> you are such a problem. Uh. Time now for the live wire with JD. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> What you got, Marlo? Okay.
3: <laughs> um gonna start out because we're a show that's for the people and we wanna make the people happy. Including James from Maiden, who sent in a text during a NASCAR interview complaining about us not mentioning happy birthday to retired Duke Coach Coach K. Well, James from Maiden. Happy birthday, happy birthday to Coach K! And I got this message delivered to my email during the break.
1: Might take a while. They're, they're going down the stretch. They're going to run after ten, inside thirty overall. Love Ooh. top of the key.
4: Oh, big time! The free.
1: I'm glad,
3: and I hope that miserable <laughs> man is enjoying the retirement that Caleb Love and Carolina sent him off to now to the live wire yesterday we heard from julius uh we heard from luke keekley on bryce young and his rookie season and what he thought now we're going to go to luke keekley who was on the up and adam show this morning and talked about his favorite memories of playing with now hall of famer julius peppers
1: one thing that i think sets pep apart from people is just You watch him and I love when Pep smiles, that big smile that he has was just so fun to me. And there was one thing when I was, when I was getting ready to play with Pep that I was excited about. You know, Pep always had that dark visor and I always wanted to be there when Pep got a sack and he had that dark visor and the only thing you could see on him was that smile through his face mask. And I was just so excited the first, I don't remember who we were playing. I should probably know that. But when he got that sack and I ran up to him and it was that big toothy smile behind that dark visor, man, I was like, gosh, this is so cool.
3: You know, Walker, now that I do think about it, like Francisco Lindor for the Mets is known as Mr. Smile. Got that nickname when he was with the Guardians and, of course, got traded to the Mets. But Julius Peppers... Could be Mr. Smile, too, if we were to have one for the Panthers or just in the NFL for his two decades. he played at a high level.
1: I could see it, although Mr. Smile, I don't think is a great nickname, really. We can go well, we can go to the nickname Savine himself I'm like a villain uh, well, Mr. S- Mr. Smile does sound a little jokery. I think yeah. you're right about that. But I feel like if I brought Mr. Smile to the table for a wrestling moniker, you wouldn't be here for it.
2: I think if you, it depends on how you present it to me. If we do present it in a sinister way to where we add that to the character, then I think it could make a little bit of sense. But. It does make sense for Julius Pepper because that is one of the things about him. He did have that big old smile, as you would say. So I think that's pretty cool that that's how Luke Keekley remembers his teammate.
1: By the way, the love reciprocated between the two. Julius Peppers did tweet out that Luke Keekley was one of his favorite teammates that he ever had. And that was the second go around with Carolina. Clearly, being in '03, 3 there were a lot of players to choose from as well. But I can imagine Julius Peppers enjoyed playing with Luke Keekley who was so smart, running in the middle of that linebacking core. I got to ask, speaking of Mr. Smile, Wes Bryant is trying to wear that right now. Why are you smiling? Any reason, or do I just need to move I on? I'm just still
2: laughing about the nonsense with Fiddy from earlier. Okay. The names and all that stuff. <laughs> yep, there you go. Go ahead, Fiddy, what you got?
3: All right. Well, as our listeners know, former Panther and future Hall of Famer, Steve Smith, he joins the Kyle Bailey show every Monday. And he was on yesterday afternoon, and he delivered a rather blunt message to the Carolina Panther fan base.
4: One, you got to have patience. and you just got to let whatever's going to happen happen. Whether you not go to the games, they're going to be successful or not. They're gonna, hey, look, all the 49ers fans that didn't go to, the, go to the Super Bowl, they kicked the field goal whether you were at the game or not. They're going to try to build a team, whether Panther fans are in the stadium or not. Just like when their fans bailed on us after a 1 15 season, the people who discontinued their PSL owners, the PSL tickets, didn't stop us from going to the Super Bowl in 2003. My point is pick a side and stick with it. If not, stop complaining. It's getting old, bro. I've been, I've been, I spent 111 nights in a hotel this past media season. And I'm just tired of hearing people complain that it's too cold is this is that, that that's sports and pick a side
3: Wes do you think when a, a franchise's star like Steve Smith delivers a message like that do you think it resonates with the fan base or do you think it falls on deaf ears
2: Um, you know there's always going to be huge fans of said player that are going to listen to it and it might stick uh, in the back of their minds but I think at the end of the day not really Well, yeah,
1: I think I don't know if I really understand the message too much. I I guess Steve Smith is telling you to stop complaining about a bad product on the field, but that seems pretty reasonable to complain about a team that you pull for if there's a bad product. He's telling you everybody that discontinues their PSL tickets and then not going out there and supporting the team. Well, okay, those guys can do whatever they want for sure, but also picking a team and sticking with it. Yeah, I'm still a Panthers fan. Despite the terrible year that they had, I am picking the Panthers to pull for constantly. But also, if we're going to evaluate what we see out there on the field, man, there's not a lot of good that I can point to. I'll point to the good stuff. Like, we can talk about Derrick Brown deserving of a Pro Bowl nod. Like, I'm going to sing Derrick Brown's praises. I'm going to talk about Taylor Moten, maybe more than everybody else. And they might might want me to stop talking about Taylor Moten. But with a bad offensive line, and he's by far the best one and has continued to pass protect at a pretty high level, I'll talk about the good stuff there. Like, whoever, right? Chuba Hubbard. think we've been pretty fair. But a lot of the other stuff that's been real bad, including with ownership, hey, David Tepper, don't throw a drink on a fan. It's reasonable.
2: Yeah. Hey,
1: David Tepper, how about you don't draw a play on a napkin and show it to your coaching staff or tell the defensive guy to run a 3-4 instead of a 4-3? Those are my opinions, and I feel like that's okay to talk about when we evaluate our teams with other fans who are listening to us. So I get it. He might be tired. Like I understand that, having to hear all of this complaining towards the Carolina Panthers fan base. I Steve, they might hear that. Fans might hear what Steve Smith is saying, and I think Steve Smith, we've talked about this. I do think Smitty is the best Panther of all time based off longevity, and we already had that debate. That's what I think. So maybe it carries some weight with what he says. I'm sure it does. If not him, then, you know, then there's not too many that it would carry more weight for that have ever played for this team. But at the same time, you're not going to be able to turn off people's feelings on how they feel about this franchise, and they're going to tell you that when they're at the bar saying, hey, what's going on with the team this year? Like, that's just how it's going to be.
3: All right, the last piece of audio I want to play for you really quickly involves Brandon Miller. We've been talking about what his ceiling is going to be, how he fits alongside LaMelo, all that, uh, and more as a as number two pick has delivered in his rookie season. But J.J. Redick who's been promoted to the ESPN NBA Finals broadcast. So shout out JJ. And as the best NBA podcast. The old man in the three had this to say about Miller's
1: ceiling in the NBA. I talked to, I talked to some people in the Hornets organization. It's like, I can see this guy. I can see what I see on the court. What's this guy like? Here's, here's some words thrown around smart, great IQ, competitor, coachable, great teammate, detail-oriented, detail-oriented as a rookie. Come on, man. Buy this yeah. guy's stock. Buy this guy's stock because it physically he has it. Skill-wise, he has it. You have two of the three boxes checked. If you've got it up here, if you've got it in the mindset oh my gosh, this guy's going to be an all-star, all-NBA type player for years. Agreed. That's how good good Brandon Miller can be.
3: Walker, what would it mean for the Hornets for Brandon Miller to develop into, not just an all-star, but an
1: all-NBA caliber player year in, year out? They did the hardest thing. They got that guy. And so many people, including myself, didn't think he was that type of guy that had that ceiling. Never thought Brandon was going to come in and fail. I thought he was actually going to help this year. But what he's shown in the first 40 games logged in his rookie season, it's been ridiculous. The shot making's incredible. The volume going up for Brandon Miller and him really not losing the efficiency, that was crazy. Now we're seeing the volume go way down the last two games, and they're trying to figure each other out with a bunch of new players coming in and logging at the least 12 minutes in Bertan's case, and everybody else is like playing 25-30 out here, really a part of the rotation, and so they'll figure that out. But it doesn't matter what the volume level is Brandon Miller just continues for the most part to make the right play at such a young age can't wait to see what he's going to do what does his play already tell you about where the Charlotte Hornets can go if LaMelo can stay healthy if Brandon continues to ascend even if improvement is not always on an escalator improvement's not always linear sometimes it's a roller coaster and it goes up and down we'll see what happens in the second season but these two guys are really talented, and that is a hell of like a backcourt with some versatility that you can roll forward with, and now you just got to get the pieces around those
2: two. Well, he started to get on the radar of a lot of uh, former players because J.J. Redick saying what he said and then also uh, checking out all the smoke, and they had a section where they were talking about the Hornets not too long ago. Uh, Not the biggest Steven Jackson fan, but both of those guys, uh, Jackson and Barnes, talked about how Brandon Miller, they echoed some of the same things that Reddick said. And um, I forget Steven Jackson's connection. I think it's maybe through AAU or whatever the case may be, but he is very familiar with him and talked about that, how he was made of the right stuff. He said that he was an old school player uh, like Barnes, and and Jackson was comparing it to to him as well, like he does everything else. But uh, when he was talking about that, (laughs) And comparing them to each other. West and all the You know, stuff. we don't necessarily want Miller to be a guy that's going to be, you know, fighting and getting into that type of stuff all the time like those guys did. But as far as just them saying that he's an old school kind of player, that's about the right things. And that's about winning first and foremost because they were talking about the culture of basketball and how the kids a lot of time they're not – brought up in winning culture. Everything's made about them and they carry that into the NBA and don't necessarily care about the winning because that's what they were talking about with the Hornets and seeing one of the the Problems with their locker room, but they were saying that Brandon Miller is a different kind of cat. He's cut from that old school cloth.
1: Yeah, somebody just texted me too. Like it's so clear that Clifford is the one talking about Brandon Miller because those are very Cliffordisms that JJ was rattling off, and so it's clear that it was Steve Clifford saying that. I totally agree, and Steve Clifford loves him some Brandon Miller. That'll do it for the live wire. Stick around for the Panther position preview, offensive line style. Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ.
2: All right, folks, two more segments to go. This is the West and Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. And jumping right back into Carolina Panthers talk. We've been giving you position previews and going over what the Panthers have at that position, what they may need to be able to go out and get. And today is gonna to be a favorite of many of you because we're going to talk about the offensive line. How about that? And so to get you started, we know that this group was much maligned this season. They ended the season prior to this one on a hot streak, being able to run and pass the football well and open up holes for Deontay Foreman and the crew. And so coming into this season, we thought, well, that's going to continue. The offensive line is going to continue to progress Ike Aquano is going to take the next step into being one of the great young tackles in the sport. But uh, the NFL had a different type of reality in store for this Carolina Panthers offensive line. And it was a disastrous season for them that started off in the preseason with them giving up a ton of sacks in the first game. We know that with uh, former offensive line coach James Campin and the crew, we saw quotes, expletive field quotes in the paper. There was a meeting of the minds after the first preseason game to try to get this offensive line together. But to no avail, it didn't work. And they weren't able to flip the switch like many people thought that they were going to be able to. And how did they do this season when we get down to some of those core statistics? Bryce Young, second most sacked quarterback in the NFL the next closest guy, Zach Wilson, had 16 less sacks put on him than Bryce Young, 62. That was only behind the three that Sam Howe had put on him in Washington. Then when you go look at this team from a rushing perspective, and there are many different metrics that you could pick out here, but I'm going to go with yards per carry. Carolina was 23rd in the NFL in that category. And so now when we look at this offensive line and you talk about the past, what went so right in 2022 with this offensive line? And can they get back to that with the unit that they currently have in place? So I'll
1: let PFF answer this based off of their write-up coming into the 2023 season. Before we even saw a regular season game played, they had the Carolina Panthers ranked 16th coming into the league. They had the 16th best offensive line, at least we all thought, right there, smack dab in the middle, average to where you could even see them being above average depending on different outlets. The reason that PFF had them as number 16 compared to all other offensive line units, they said Carolina's another team banking on internal development and stability, paying dividends. The unit climbed from 31st in the rankings to the fringes of the top 10 last season. Brady Christensen will be on the hot seat after earning a 57.3 pro football focus grade last year. But rookie Chandler Savala is now there to provide competition. Best player, Taylor Moten, allowing just 21 pressures in 17 games and remains one of the best pass-protecting right tackles in all of football. That was the write-up coming in. They're not 16 anymore. (laughs) <laughs> at the end of last season, the Panthers ranked as one of the worst offensive lines in all of football. You could argue that they were, the, they were the worst pass blocking unit in all of the NFL. And the projected week 18 starters just going into the last game, it was Icky at left tackle, Gabe Jackson, Bradley Bozeman, Nash Jensen, and then Taylor Moten starting on the right side. And Taylor Moten's still the best player, earned an 86.6 pass blocking grade led all NFL linemen over the span since week 10 going to the end of the season. You had a bunch of different combinations interior-wise, and Bradley Bozeman didn't have a good year. He gave up seven sacks this past season compared to better than that the year before and just being a better run per- and run blocker overall anyway. So it was a big old difference, Wes, when you go back to what we saw at the end of this season compared to what happened before. I also feel like Steve Wilkes's Run game, run mindset that helped Icky and a lot of those spots playing left tackle and continuity really helped. But once you had some of the injuries, those guys weren't playing well anyway. They're trying to learn a new scheme. All of that would lean in or would uh, make sure that you had a pretty terrible unit in all of football last year.
2: Yeah, and so, you know, when you look at this thing, it, it was just night and day. And a lot of fans, I think they really understood that, hey, you can't just turn it on on the offensive line. You can't just come out from one week to the next and say, hey— You know, we're gonna get this thing right and fix it. There were fundamental flaws in this team and I think that it started with Ikeaquanu out there at the tackle position. And this was a guy, like I said, coming into the year we thought he was gonna Ascend, And we talked about coming into the season, how much help he had to have during his rookie year uh as far as getting chips from backs or getting some help to be able to help him deal with these athletic defensive ends. And so we come into this season and we saw that, hey, this is a guy that you don't necessarily trust leaving out there on an island. And I think that that was one of the things that was right in 2022 was that you were giving Icky the requisite help, even though you don't necessarily want to be doing that. Uh, you know, with your offensive tackle, franchise offensive tackle, like that. They talked about the run scheme, how they were able to go more straight ahead and just small guys, maybe not the most athletic group, wanting to be able to make sure their faces don't get crossed in those zones and being able to stay in front of those guys, uh, which, you know, is easier said than done when you talk about the athleticism of these defensive linemen. Because, see, in a zone, most people, you know, they have to understand that. When you're running a zone, especially inside zone, you don't want a guy to get across your face. You've got to come over another gap, and then you've got to be able to get on him and get up the field and get those blocks. And when you're playing against guys that are lightning quick on the inside, lots of penetration, Uh, can be surrendered on that. And then on the outside zone, you're turning and running, but it's the same type of concept. You want to be able to not let a guy cross your face to give up uh, penetration and then cut down the backside, which in the NFL, they don't really do that a lot because uh, guys complain about their knees and different things like that. So they kind of taking that out of the game as far as cutting down the backside guy. But that's the difference. And so that's why this offensive line felt like they weren't necessarily suited towards that and that they were more so a group that is better off with the just straight ahead, run blocking, see the guy, go get the guy uh, instead of that zone scheme. But can they get back to that with the unit currently in place? I say no, absolutely not. Uh, this is a group that needs changes. It's just not good enough. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, when he came back, not good enough. Getting manhandled in the interior of that offensive line. Iki kind of didn't matter what was going on there. You had miscommunications on stunts. You had him, you know, getting caught up on run plays with the footwork. Uh, there were a lot of just fundamental issues out there with Ikki Aquino. Can he fix that this offseason? As you said, Taylor Moten was the one bright spot, and it wasn't always uh, that way, but he ended the season uh, on a hot streak. We'll see what Brady Christensen can bring to the table. Austin Corbett, he was also a guy not able to get the job done. Kay Mays, and then Chandler Zavala looks like a guy, Uh, You know, just to put it kindly, that is a project that's going to need to continue to have work. So, in my opinion, you know, when you hit that free agency period, that's going to be a position uh, of priority. And so when we go and fast forward to the present, what's the biggest decision that they have to make along the offensive line, in your opinion? Yeah, it's all about icky.
1: Because he did have a promising start to his rookie season at left tackle. One year, thought he might progress. Didn't happen. In fact, he regressed. If you go to Joe Person writing an article about Icky Iquanu, he referenced that Icky allowed 11 sacks. He got penalized 12 times over 1150 offensive snaps. Only Andre Dillard and Makai Beckton, with 12 apiece, allowed more sacks than Icky Iquanu per pro football focus. I do think with Icky... If you look at his overall production there in pass protection, or lack thereof, the bad plays were really bad, right? The bad plays often led to sacks. His pass block grade, it's not atrocious bad, right? Like If you just look at where he compares to a lot of other tackles in the league, he was 54th out of 81 in pass blocking which is bad, right? It's below average. It's, it's not good. That needs to be fixed, especially when you're a top 10 pick. But it's not like, oh, man, you need to get him off the field. It's not Chandler Savala bad. So is there enough that can be salvaged to save him playing left tackle? Or do you need to just go ahead and roll with him inside? Because the run blocking great for Icky, and we've seen it, that's where he's like actually one of the best tackles in all of the NFL. The dude is a mauler. And we knew this once they drafted him coming out of NC State. So do you think that he has the feet and the mind to be able to work out there on the left side, or maybe you just move him one spot over? And if that's the case, Wes, then everything is jumbled up because once you figure out what needs to happen with Icky, then you can figure out, okay, now we need to go get a left tackle that can replace what Icky did. Is it as simple as switching Brady Christensen and Icky? That's pretty dicey. I don't know. Brady Christensen could just provide some much-needed help all across the offensive line, and I like having somebody that versatile as a depth piece. Austin Corbett got hurt. Dude played like three games, didn't look good when he hopped back in, and as we saw with Matt Paradis, once you have a bad injury like that, an ACL tear, and then you get injured again, the same knee, it's like how much can you bank on him playing as well as he did in 2022? It's not something I'm going to feel great about going into the next year. So you have Taylor Moten figured out, They're not going to cut Bozeman. Bozeman just has to get better. I hope that he can be. As much as he wasn't great, they're not going to cut him. So it's really icky. Do you move him inside? And if that's the case, now you got to go figure out left tackle all over again, which, Wes, it's really hard to do in the first place, especially when you have to adapt after a missed
2: Top 10 pick in this case. That's certainly hard to do. And we know that the money talks in this league. And that's why I don't think that they make that move this offseason. I think they're going to give Icky one more chance to be able to show that he can play out there on that edge. But I think the biggest decision they're going to have to make is kind of who they are going to go out in free agency and pursue and see if they go and get, because, you know, if you go look and, and, and checking out the list from the 30, 13, the number one offensive guard on the board is Kevin Dodson uh, coming out of LA. And what is it going to take to sign him? If you do go and get him for one, you know, I'm not sure all of the free agents that the Rams have to satisfy this off season. Uh, you know, but I do know that this is the guy that more than likely they value, but pro football focus estimates him to be worth, uh, four years, sixty-nine million, forty-one point two five 41.25 guaranteed, uh, average of about 17.25. Uh, but I think if you're the Panthers and you're really making a real commitment uh, towards Bryce Young and what he can do for you in the future, then I think you have to go out and spend that kind of money on the position. They got to go out and at least get one guy in free agency that's going to be helped. That's going to be able to help solidify this thing, I mean, you look at the position what the top guys are getting I mean Chris Listrom leads the market at twenty point five million, and then you talk about the center market. There's nobody out there that's going to break that bank, but Jason Kelsey at fourteen two I mean that's what you're looking at for a top flight center. Uh, But when you look at the top 10, you know, it could range between, I mean, Bradley Bozeman makes $6 million. So that'd be interesting to see what they decide to do with him because he's not a free agent until 2026.
1: Well, and I I don't think if I'm not mistaken, I don't think the cap would make sense for you to cut Bradley Bozeman. And so that's why I'm just pretty confident that they're going to stick with him. Plus, remember, when he came over the first time, right, and he played two years ago at this point, that was a one year deal. And then he got signed again. They brought him back. They made him a top priority because he played pretty well, again, especially in the run game. And so just one year removed, you thought he was going to be the starting center with no questions. And he is the starting center. You just have the questions now. Wes, I just can't help but go back to the fact that Icky not playing well this year, that sets you back a lot. I think about how important his job was to protect Bryce Young, something we realized in the moment when they drafted Bryce number one overall. Icky has a lot of pressure on him and like, yeah, I've made the point of it doesn't matter who is your quarterback. There's a lot of pressure on him to protect anyway, but especially with the guy that we were worried was going to get hurt. Bryce young for the most part, didn't get hurt. But you still relinquished a lot of sacks on his blind side. I saw one text here on the text line I thought was funny. It's 207 said, man, that's crazy knowing that if you're not going to get sacked this quarter, it's just what quarter are you going to get sacked? Yeah, <laughs> It's like, what what is he going to give it up? And that's a real problem. So <clears throat> the fact that now here you are talking about paying a left tackle out there on the free agent market, which we know is the most expensive offensive lineman that you're paying for. When that money could be going towards a defensive player, one of the homegrown guys that you would like to keep, whether it be Brian Burns, doing the extension with Derek Brown, trying to keep Frankie Louvu, or he could be using that money for a T. Higgins, somebody else on the free agent market, a couple wide receivers to help Bryce Young. Like the fact that you do not know for sure that Icky is your left tackle, it really puts you back a peg trying to figure out how you just get back to the offensive line that you had out there two years ago. And now trying to figure out, all right, well now we're here, but we had to spend a lot of money to do it. We moved Icky to the guard position. You know, that was kind of frustrating, but okay, we're here now, but yeah, all this other money, like we had to dish that out to keep our own guys. And so how much better did we really get? because we just spent all of our money on a left tackle and trying to keep the defensive guys in-house, man, it really hurts you, man.
2: Yeah, I see a 919 number saying that free agent left tackle market sounds good. I mean, when you look at that, the top two guys, you're looking at Tyron Smith. We don't expect him to be out of Dallas. I, I don't see that happening. And then you go to Michael Owenu, From the New England Patriots, and it looks like he's going to be a 50 million guaranteed guy somewhere in that range at that offensive tackle position if you decide that's where you want to go. But that's going to send for sure ripple effects. I don't think it would be the worst move in the world, especially if you feel strongly that Icky is a guy that can go to guard and be dominant, and then you bring in an offensive tackle like this guy, Wenu, to be your left tackle going forward. We're going to see what the Panthers are going to do. And before we close this segment down, How many offensive linemen do you think uh, they will replace and how many do you think should be?
1: I really am interested in what they're going to do with Corbett. That's a tough decision, too, because he was good when he was healthy. Are you one that believes he can get back to that level despite the injuries that he suffered? Or do you just need to move on and try to figure something else out at that right guard spot alongside Taylor Moten? where it didn't work out with anybody else you put there. like There were so many different combinations. Do you want to deal with a guy that was so injury-riddled last year again? If continuity is such an important part of protecting your quarterback, then do you need to do that by finding somebody different there? I think Austin Corbett is is going to be tough. I'll go with four. I think four of the same starters are going to be back in place, but... You know, it doesn't make me feel great about
2: it. I think they're going to have two new starters next year. I think it's going to come, I think one, maybe via free agency. I think they go out and maybe try to throw some money at a top-ranked guy and see if they're able to do that. And then I think that through the draft, they're going to address that position again. I mean, they don't have many free agents on this offensive line of note. I mean, when you look at guys that are going to be Gabe Jackson, Uh, Justin McCray. I mean, those are two depth guys that you're going to have that are going to be unrestricted free agents. So all these guys will be back under contract, but I think they need to find uh, some type of way to get a couple of guys in there that can make an impact. And I think one of those is certainly going to come through the draft. I feel pretty good uh, that that first pick that they're going to have in that second round more than likely could go to an offensive lineman. But we'll see. Like I said, a lot of offseason. It is just beginning. And when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we close this thing down. What we're watching tonight and more. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
5: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Wrapping up on Weston Walker, let's go to the text line. 704-570-9610. Lots of opinions on the offensive line. 919 said draft interior guys, get a free agent tackle. Buck Nation, where do you put Brady Christensen if you move Icky? That's the question. Maybe just becomes a depth piece and isn't starting there. That's certainly a possibility if you decide to move Icky to that left guard position. Salesman wrote in, if you guys had to choose only one group to address on offense to improve, would you go offensive line for Bryce? No question. Or the weapons for Bryce? If it's me, I'm getting the best front five I can to protect Bryce Young first and foremost. Yeah, I think if I had to choose, it would be
2: offensive line. Yeah, like I'd, I mean, that's the only answer. I think wide receivers matter a lot. I mean, they matter, but if you don't have the guys up front, it don't matter. You can have as good a wide receivers as you want.
3: I mean, okay. Joe Burrow would push back on that. There you go. Joe Burrow. Hey, he had, what, the second worst offensive line of the year he made this the Super Bowl according to...
1: Uh it's actually the only one that's been that bad where they've made it. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it's an I, outlier
3: I, that's yeah, fair, but...
0: Yeah, I
1: was about but, to say, that's
2: but I, an but, but Jamar I mean, look, Chase
1: is, like, if you have a difference maker, I think, but I think for the most part you're right. Like, I, I think wide receivers matter a ton, but I also think, okay, if you get that special dude at, like, Jamar Chase or somebody crazy, that's the way to beat what is a bad pass protecting unit and... There's just not many Jamar Chases out there. So go ahead and shore up the protection to block for your quarterback.
3: Yeah, I mean, Burrow wears nine. Bryce Young wears nine. Both played in the SEC. Both won Heisman trophies. A lot of similarities there between Young and Burrow. So I think if you get him a legitimate one, he could overcome not having the best offensive line out there.
1: But I could be wrong. Okay, well, he's going wide receiver possibly. Wes saying... No, hell no. You should go offensive line. And I agree. No, hell no. I think offensive line should be the one you're going with. What I really need to ask for everybody else out there is if you would try a Chinese takeout burrito (laughs) that Wes showed me on TikTok. So this thing had lo mein in it, egg rolls, like General So
2: chicken and chicken fried rice. Whichever way you want to go.
1: And so this TikTok video was showcasing, again... A Chinese takeout burrito. Upon first hearing it, I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that one. I saw the video. It looked better than I thought. At the same time, though, man, I don't know if I'm feeling that. It just feels a little too risky for me. Wes, you're saying all day I'm going to try it immediately and it seems like it's going to be pretty good
2: oh yeah i mean instagram comes up with so much stuff and they make a burrito out of everything i've seen a pizza hut burrito i've seen a chick-fil-a burrito i've seen a mcdonald's burrito you name it they got it for you uh on instagram and so when i saw the chinese food takeout, because you know once you look at one your algorithm is going to fill up with them and that's all you're going to get and that's what i've been getting a lot of lately and uh, yeah, I, I thought that the Chinese food takeout burrito looked pretty good. I think it would be a very interesting uh, meal.
1: What do you think, Fitty? You trying a Chinese takeout burrito, and are you happy about it? Well, Walker, mm-hmm. what, what do you think? Don't paint me in this. <laughs> like this is a trap, okay? <laughs> oh, I this mean, this is look, a classic trap because what you're asking me to do is, is say call me yes, is say yes, and then you say, "See, this is what you're going to do probably two days from now." See. You guys just call me fat. You call me bald. You don't love me. I try to hang out after. And then it becomes all these problems that you just explode saying Walker doesn't love me like that. That's I know this game. I'm not falling for it. You take out the egg roll or
3: the spring roll. I'm game now. But I I, I can see your concern. Like, I think it's something I'm eating and I'm eating it at home. I'm not eating and then driving 30 minutes
1: home. Not doing it. No, you (laughs) we all know that is a. It's an excellent call because there's no way you're trying that in public or you're right, 30 minutes away from home, that is a risk that I am just not taking. I, it's going to have to be a straight up Chinese takeout burrito where I'm taking it back to the crib and then whatever happens afterwards has to happen. Fat Sugar Shorts, yes, one of the better <laughs> names on the text line, <laughs> writes in, hey, Wes, that McDonald's burrito
2: looked nasty. Yeah, that doesn't sound very good either. I, did, I haven't seen one yet that didn't look like something I'd eat. So
1: You haven't seen the McDonald's burrito looks good to you still? Yeah.
2: What was in it? Oh, I forget. Um, like big chicken and it up. like man. <laughs> no, they okay. took like uh, they took fries. Obviously, they took. I think they broke down a Big Mac. I think, if I'm not mistaken, and then with the fries and all that, and put it in there. So yeah. Okay. Air ben says,
1: "Give me the damn burrito." Trying to see if anybody else would eat this. Joey from Huntersville says, "Somebody get Walker some chicken nuggets. Too much flavor in that Chinese takeout burrito." And why am I catching strays for not winning <laughs> <put laughs> a typical whack-ass walker? I'm, I'm going to be whack when I don't want to put my stomach through the ringer to try a, I'm if I can a hunt burrito. it down. That thing looked, I mean, it still, it was a little scary. That's all I'm saying. That was the thing that I was, you know, most worried about. And so that's fine. All right. What are we watching here tonight? Wes, What's uh, you're going to be looking up more burritos. And so you stay on that drum research. We can go to Wes. Yeah, fit- I'm, I'm going to be watching Syracuse and Carolina tonight, though. Okay. So he's watching that. What are you watching, Fiddy?
3: I mean, of course, I'll be locked into Heels and Syracuse. Then you got what? Ole Miss, Kentucky's a really big game in the SEC. And then, Walker, I might try to sneak in a little late night. Better call
1: Saul. Not doing it for you though right
3: now. It's Canes just,
2: tonight, too. Well, who they got, Wes? The Canes got the Dallas Stars on the road. Oh, that could be a Stanley Cup final matchup. There you go. We got to come up with a hockey name for Fiddy.
1: Pucks uh, Marlowe That's way too That's dangerous It feels like I'm flirting with an FCC violation If I say that Clean up your mouth sir Uh, That sounds weird, too. Uh, I'll be watching the game tonight as well. Watch North Carolina and Syracuse. And I'm not really on a show right now. I'm trying to get on a show as well. I I
2: have Wu-Tang. You got Wu-Tang. You got Snowfall. You got a lot of them. I think you should start Wu-Tang. I've been on you for the longest about that. Game of Thrones. All right. Wu-Fall. I'll be watching all that tonight.
1: Wu-Fall. And then I will tell you (laughs) what's going on with it tomorrow. That'll do it for Weson Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92. Two seven WFNZ.